Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Phil. Before we start this episode, we wanted to point out that we had a technical issue with Victor's microphone that we didn't spot until post-production. It's still a great episode, and we hope you enjoy it. Now let's get started. Do you gentlemen have your... the show notes and everything ready? Ready. I have my show notes, my D20, my Necronomicon, everything. Do you have your gatherer window open and the uh, uncomfortable everything? All right, cool. So, uh, Sean, do you want to do the intro or should I? Hey, that's, I'm back up, Phil, not you. <laughs> here. I noticed you put yourself as number one in the one, two, three count. Yeah. I I may, on in fact, you. have done that. On to you, but. I might well have poisoned your tea. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that I didn't do that. But you did make me tea, which means I still have to be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, so, uh, as people listening may have gathered, I am Sean Watson. And I'm Shivan Butt, and today we are Phil-less, but we are still Commanderin. Phil lives in our heart, really. <laughs> God, I hope not. That would be really just kind of hairy and gross. <laughs> but this is where the intro music goes. Aggressively <laughs> Go, Mandarin. Hello, everybody, and thank you You'll for listening. Be in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always professional when it's just you and me, Shivam. Dude, is we the worst. put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever, ever talk about four band topics: religion, politics, Hearthstone, and hip hop. We visit subject to change. That is subject to change. Uh, visit patreon.com forward slash commander and MTG. Uh, don't forget to visit us on YouTube. This week, we have a wonderful show lined up for you. We it have... It's going to be fun. Try to say... Victor! <laughs> oh, don't talk Wait. until we've spoiled you. Oh, gosh. Victor Adame Minguez. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Visiting the Commanderin. I didn't know you had a live audience, guys. Yeah, Victor, we love you. Yay. <laughs> well, you know, they did make a card after you, uh, enthralling Victor from uh, C from uh, M15 or 16. I'm quite, quite enthralling. <laughs> at least one person who was staying with us at Vegas was looking forward to you coming to visit the Commander and crew because you are, quote, very pretty. Very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that was you I bet. <laughs> I look man you should have seen him with that attracts a playmat I'm just saying I'm just saying that was all I was wearing there I was <laughs> he's just sitting, sitting on the couch with the, with the playmat suggestively arranged just waiting for you to waltz in that door covered in grease oh, I need it it helps me shuffle better, I said. So, our dear listeners, if you may not know, Victor here is one of the artists of Magic the Gathering. 
and one of this show's personal favorite artists because he has drawn some of our favorite cards, which we'll be happy to talk about a little bit later on since we don't want to talk about everything before we get started. Right, Sean? Indeed. Victor. Victor. Yeah. Tell us about yourself. Uh, I am a freelance artist, which means that I work for myself. And I get to pick from a lot of uh, wonderful clients, uh, one of one of those being uh, Wizards of the Coast. And uh, especially, or more precisely, Magic the Gathering. I don't do D&D because I don't know the, well, the game that much. It's basically magic just with dice. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's not even vaguely true. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I work for Magic, and now I work for Magic almost exclusively. If I'm not working for them, I I'm doing GPS, and I am doing like my own stuff, my own personal work, which is fun. That's pretty cool. It, it is pretty cool. And you're based out of Mexico. I right? am. Yeah, I was born and raised in Mexico. I still live. I still live here in Mexico. That's hella cool. I love that Magic is a super international game. How did you get into it? How did you discover, uh, how did you start working for WotC, and how did you get into the game itself? I started playing Magic when I was, I want to say, 15, 14 years old. Uh, it was when OG Mirrodin came out. And a friend... Oh, that's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Not not for not for the people that have been playing uh, for a long time, but, but for me... Lisa, it's been a it's been a while. Sixteen years, I believe. Mirrodin was two thousand and one. Was it really that long ago? Mirrodin still feels like a new set to me. <clears throat> well, modern apparently is a new format, but you know, <laughs> that's when modern started. <sighs> My goodness, I still miss Mana Burn, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine uh, suggested that I should um, just buy random packs of Magic because I. I did artwork, and, and Magic's uh, quality artwork was, or is, amazing. And so I did. I went up to, like, I don't, I don't even remember which store it was. Like, this random store in um, Brownsville, Texas. And I bought my first packs of Magic. I didn't know how to play the game or anything. I just uh, looked... What were you doing in Texas? Oh, that's a good question. All right, well, we'll, we'll save that for the after uh, hours. It's pretty quick. I have family, family in the border, and we just... Uh, hop to to do some shopping and and whatnot oh that's cool yeah because yeah, i was going to ask you if you bought cards in spanish or english but if you're buying them in texas then that probably in korean yeah we didn't get uh spanish cards until much later i i, I don't know what when that happened when that was but yeah, yeah there were english cards not that it mattered because i didn't know how to play the game and later uh this <laughs> me and he was like you know th- these people are treated like rock stars well, he didn't say that. I that's that's the thing I the memory I have in my head. And he was you can make a living with this. And these people just get to uh, paint for magic, uh, do illustration for magic, and earn a living. And you know that thing I just uh, that thing like built my career career even though I was fifteen. It just kind of set me up in the path. And then I would went so to art school. How old are you now, sir? I am twenty eight, close to twenty nine. Oh, he's so young. Bless him. <laughs> I remember being 28. 
I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're younger than I am, Sean. Don't even talk. That's but that's weird. really cool, Victor. That Did you learn to play later? Yeah, eventually I did. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, during high school, I was I was playing Magic. And during college, uh, the first part of college, I had to quit Magic for, for a little bit uh, to focus on school. Most of us do. Yeah, it sucks, man. I should have quit school. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. I should have quit uh, art school uh, when I had the chance. To just do magic or do art, and even though it was an art school, but it was an illustration. But I just should have quit uh, school and just do magic full time. And now you can. And now I do. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah. When did you start drawing? How did you get into art itself? Uh, the minute I knew I was enjoying what I did, mm. because I, I've tried a, a bunch of things that sound super appealing on the outside but aren't really uh, nurturing to me or, or really appealing in the end uh, i don't know music or writing i really do enjoy uh, consuming these things but not really doing them that much mm. uh, but art was just easy to me and and gave me a ton, tons of joy and then gave me tons of money. Yay! <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm, I tried a career in music. I mean, of all my friends that tried it, only one made it, but he really made it, so... Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, it's, it's tough. It is tough. It is quite... It is it's really tough. That's Yeah, that's the same thing I've, I've experienced with arts, that, you know, my, my group was like 20 people, and out, out of those, just a few made it. Including me, so. And uh, we are super glad you did, actually, because your art is pretty great. Yeah. And magic <laughs> art in general over the past, like, four or five years has just become incredible. Maybe not four or five, maybe, like, past ten years even has it's just true. become, like, phenomenal. And it's just super cool to see, like, that their reach is so international and that they're not limiting themselves to just what they find around Seattle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's a good question. Uh, when and how did you become a magic artist specifically? Let's imagine little Sean. I've drawn some scribbles on paper and I want to get my art on a card. How do I do that? Or how did you do it? And I can copy you. <laughs> Process, I mean, I'm going to tell you what I did uh, like five years ago. But that may not apply to what you should do today. <laughs> gotcha. Especially since I'm me and you're you. <laughs> what basically what i'm saying is don't listen to me <laughs> i went uh, to comic-con with a friend he told me that like all these companies like aside from you know comic-con being comic-con like all these companies held uh portfolio reviews and you know scouting and all these uh all these wonderful things to to get artists to work in in their uh ips and stuff so i did and you know it, it only took me four tries uh, <laughs> but I eventually I got the job, and it was uh, most of it, or in in large uh, in large parts, uh, because of Mark Winters, who is um, currently AD for for Wizards of the Coast. Oh, that's art director for all y'all at home. Yes, he's the art director for. He's one of the art directors for Magic, and he uh, helped me out just getting better, just like nailing all these uh, little details that I that I had loose in, in my art, and just tightening it up into a real portfolio and eventually presenting it to, to Wizards of the Coast and getting hired. I think it was July of 2000, what year is it? Uh, 2014. 
Wow. Yes. What was the first card you did? I did Bastion Protector for a, for a commander set. Yay. Oh, that's a damn cool card. I used that <laughs> card. I like that card a lot, actually. Yeah. And it went up in price. So it means it's it's seeing uh, more play now, which I'm happy. You serve a good track record of getting cards that have value attached to them. <laughs> it's not my fault, man. It just it just happens. It's just the way need uh, the nature of the of the game. Wow, that's really neat. But before we keep going into you, let's uh, pause for a second <laughs> and uh, talk a little bit about the news. <laughs> Look, man, you do your transitions and I'll do mine. <laughs> And I, <laughs> you sounded Jack. like Victor Cronkite's wife. All right, that, keep that, going into you. Let's Walter stop and do the news. <laughs> Walter Cronkite, please. Oh, that's because I was reading the word Victor and I've had four hours sleep. Look, man, that sounds like a personal problem. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> I just saw this picture of him holding a guitar and I was like, oh, he's a musician as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, that, that thing, that thing is that thing is ten years old, man. So, I'm a full time artist, <laughs> full time uh, visual artist. Before we go on, let's just handle some business. Ooh, we geez. still have playmats available, including our amazing logo playmat and a limited edition GP Vegas playmat that we made, which has Patroni name on it and uh, just a cool blank one that I like to use a lot. Please head to CommanderInMTG.com. Go to our store section and pick one up. Those things will never be made again. They're super cool, and you can support our show at the same time. Uh, another thing to add to that, if you are ordering them from Europe, I have a limited supply, like less than 10, that I can ship out to Europe at a much cheaper shipping rate. So if you order pardon me, if you order one and you're in Europe, um, just message Phil and we'll work out how to do that. That's actually really, uh, really useful. Also, if you entered our rally to help young Mason Tally, we announced a winner for that last episode. And uh, feel free to go back, check it out, check out our C17 preview cards and find out if you won or not. Speaking of which, this week that we're recording is the preview week for Commander 17. And they've shown three of the four decks so far, and it looks mind-blowingly amazing. Half the reason we wanted to have uh, this gentleman on the podcast today is because he drew our preview cards, which are amazing. Last week, I spent basically the entire hour losing my mind about how amazing these cards are. And so y'all know what card I'm most excited to play, which is my boy Nizan and his hammer. So what about you, Victor? What's the most exciting thing you've seen out of C17 so far? Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm really excited about this set. Um... Yeah, the the things um, I really don't uh, like the creatures that much as much as I like the spells. Mm. Yeah, the the instants, the sorceries. Um, I think that I'm most excited to play is uh, Disrupt Decorum. Oh, that card looks amazing! Yeah, it looks insane. It's it just <laughs> <laughs> just perfectly ex- exemplifies the uh, the way I like to play. Just make like everyone. Uh, hit themselves and just everyone go after one another and not blame me because <laughs> that's the car that's the mechanics that that's how it works also a territorial hell kite that's that's one of the the things that i'm most excited about because you get to hit people with flying haste and a six five and you don't you don't you don't take the blame i mean it's the card it's random it's it's fun 
<laughs> For those of you who might not have seen it yet, Disrupticorum was just revealed today. First off, it's drawn by Siddharth Chaturidhi, who's did a few cards in Kaladesh. He's super cool. But this is one of the f- neatest cards I've seen in a while. Uh, it's a four mana sorcery for two and two red. And it says, goad all creatures you don't control. And goad is like one of my favorite keywords ever from uh, Conspiracy 2. And it says, until your next turn, these creatures attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you. <laughs> it's so good. It's just like, all of you guys have been sitting and turtling the whole game. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Decorum. And the flavor text is so good. Dinner and politics don't mix. This is the best card in like every direction. I like the blue control spell, new blood. Uh, black, sorry, control spell, new blood. What does that one do? Two and two black sorcery as additional cost to cast new blood, tap and untap vampire control. Gain control of the target creature. Change the text of that creature by replacing all instances of one creature with a vampire. Oh, yeah. Good. Now, that thing is going to be great. But there's a... Yeah, it, it's just... It's just black. Black gets something I like to do. And I already like to do it in blue, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yay. I'm excited about the vampires deck more than any of the other three. Yeah, but Selesnia cats. How can you go wrong? Well, it's Selesnia, so for a start, you're 50% <laughs> wrong. You're right, Shabam. Don't, don't listen to him. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we can transition then into looking at some of the cards that you actually did, Victor. Yay. Because that's kind of why we brought you here. <laughs> not, not for the sass. So, yeah, Sean, why don't you introduce this first card, because I think it's near and dear to your heart. Oh, uh, well, of course. My lady... Atraxa, Praetor's Voice. Mmm, Atraxa. If you don't know what Atraxa does now, shame on you. But she's a... Well, she's quite good. She's a... a how do you say this? There's no Non-red. specific word. A green, white, blue, black... To cast I a like four, to call four. them Redless. Redless, flying 4-4, four, four, uh, with Vigilance, Death Touch, and Lifelink on top of that flying. And at the beginning of your end step, Proliferate. Oh, so good. Some might say too good. It's mm. busto. But yeah, but those people yeah. also complain about Soul Ring, so... Eh. I oh, will God, take a what's... stand about Soul Ring forever and ever. It is my favorite card of all time. I will fight you. Bring it on Twitter. Yeah. Gear poor Gears, we'll me. do this. About once every 12 months, we get a Twitter backlash against Soul Ring. They're never going to ban it. No. It's the best Blind card. Job. That's why you play EDH, among other but things. In in one v one EDH, it absolutely should be banned, right? But yeah, one v one, it's not should. EDH, Sean. Exactly. There you go. He said it, not me. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, one v one, she's not. It's not EDH. So in multiplayer EDH, how often? Unless you've got a proper tricked out combat on turn two or three deck, where you should just go play vintage or modern or whatever, you're not guaranteed the win. But people that complain about Soul Ring go, "Oh, well, you just win, don't you?" Even if no. Okay, even if you do, what's the problem? You can you can just scoop and play the next game. No no problem. <sighs> and plus it is literally one card out of 99. Like why is that one card the one that you're fighting on? <laughs> Cuz it's, it's the one... card that's ubiquitous. People don't like ubiquity. Yeah, but it's Soul Ring. It's the it's like one of the most iconic cards of all time. 
Yeah, it's powerful, but it's EDH. Who cares? Since they changed the mulligan rules, you see it a lot less anyway. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. when Soul Ring shows up, I feel like I've been blessed. But that's because all my Soul Rings are the original Mark Tadeen, like, unlimited, bright, orange, beautiful ones. It's a very cool card. Oh, I love that card. So that concludes our talk about Atraxa. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Victor, can you tell us a little bit about the process behind drawing this card and why you chose, or what it was like getting it and what you were hoping to get out of it? Oh, Atraxa. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, actually, um, it was, I'm not going to say easy. It wasn't easy. It was simple uh, because, mm. yeah, they're, they're two different things. And it was simple. <laughs> it was simple because the the instruction was simple. the The brief that I got was, okay, this is this is like an emissary. This is like a like a construct between all the four predators except the the red one, Urbask, because he doesn't get to play. And she has to have like a part. She has to be a part of of each of the of the four ones. She has to have like features um, that resemble the other predators. Oh, that's that cool. sounds easy enough. Yeah, but one of the notes that Cynthia, the art director, gave me was, "Do not make it a hodgepodge." And at this time, I had to Google what hodgepodge mean, uh, means. <laughs> oh, I know that. That's an English phrase. That's, <laughs> that's English. That's that's yeah. <laughs> it's not my my first language, and that was that was the first time I heard that word. I was like, "Yeah, not make it a hodgepodge," and that's when when it turned interesting, and. I took like three or four steps of the design uh, of attraction, which was the most important thing because um, also one of the notes was make make her elegant but kind of off-putting, you know, and, and sure. yeah, and kind of uh, give, give her that vibe of uh, of being something beautiful because it's an angel but horror too, and it's an angel horror. There you go. Yeah. That's really really yeah. cool. I mean, this card just looks, like, absurd. It's amazing looking, it's creepy, and I know that I totally wanted to build a deck with it. It was the one that I was most excited for, because I wanted to build a um, a Gave deck, but everybody basically hates Atraxa, and it's a kill-on-sight card now, so maybe I won't. Yeah. But I don't I play don't effects, hate so... It. It's just, once again, people don't like Ubiquity, do they? No, yeah, I guess that's. They don't thing. like uh, going against planeswalkers because they're easy. Uh, they're hard to interact with. And Just kill the player. Kill the player, exactly. Yeah, shotgun under the table. Um, <laughs> people like <laughs> attacking with creatures, no, I would actually kill him. So, Victor, I need to ask because I would feel uh, like I missed an opportunity. How does it feel to know you are on the art of the most popular commander of all time? <gasps> Am I? <laughs> no, man. It... Yeah, Traxa is officially easily the most brewed commander, at least. Yeah, let, let me let me see the stats uh, real quick. Yeah, for those who don't know, it. I mean, it feels amazing, man. It, EDH is my format. is is the one I go is my go to format, and you know, it's it's an honor, and not so much hearing the stories about people and how they come up to me and say, oh, I love the art, but I hate the card. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been nice at uh, Vegas when I caught you said, I love the art and I love the card. Yeah, that was, that was the first time for me. <laughs> 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 no, what they really hate is planeswalkers and having to interact 
with uh, with planeswalkers. In fact, uh, not so much. Yeah, putting Atraxa in a Super Friends deck is just, it's unpleasant. Yeah. It's just, it feels a little like you're cheating. You know, you're just getting free bonuses every turn, and the colors mean you can get doubling season, and then silly things happen. Again, kill a player. I just think doubling season's the issue, isn't it? Doubling season's always the issue, but it's also super fun, so yeah. I would never tell somebody to take doubling season out of the game. Now, I, I would just do it myself. Just uh, cross and grip, and there you go. Totally fair. One question I forgot to ask you. How do you normally do this? Do you do traditional painting or do you do digital painting? I do digital uh, for most of my for most of my uh, work. I find it uh, easier. Um, I I just grew tired of uh, traditional during school. I just did so much of it, and using the computer was uh, a new thing to me. And you could say I'm I'm still exploring that side of, of art at this moment. Maybe maybe in the future I I, I try the new thing. Do you do sketches first, like, or do you do you do like stuff on hand, or could you walk us through maybe the process of how you and Watsi would work together on a thing like Atraxa? Do you send them like a few sketches at first, and then they pick one, and then you kind of go and develop it later? Mm-hmm. I usually uh, for this one, I did something that I normally not do, which is the design. And if I feel like I nailed the design, I just go on to do the sketch. Uh, first thing I do is like thumbnails, which is uh, little little notes. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of little notes on a on a sketchbook, which are like little sketches, kind of a card size, magic card size, uh, just to to kind of get an idea how it would look like on on that that scale because it's it's a small space we we have to work with. Mm. So once I'm happy with the thumbnail, I just uh, zoom in and start working on the on the sketch. What I do is line sketch and value sketch. So just line so the art director can, so I can sell it better to the art director so they know what's going on. I almost never do colors, but for these, for this one, I did get requested a, a color uh, work in progress, a color shot. And well, that's pretty neat. Yeah. And then once the once the sketch was approved, once the, the color process was approved, I move on to the, to the maquette. Which you might have seen in, at GP Vegas at the art show. I did see that. I hope um, you did. Yeah, I nearly knocked it over. <laughs> What's a maquette for those who might not know? A uh, maquette is a sculpture, essentially. Um, it, it... Oh, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, yes, I was in the art show with Henry Stukenborg of EDH Rex, turned around with my rucksack on and nearly knocked the maquette over. <laughs> oh God. <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Henry saved its life. <laughs> you you should have, man. That would have been a disaster. I would I would have gonna I would have gone I would have gotten uh, like some money for it. So you should have knocked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but God. then then our beloved Vorthos Mike would have come and stabbed you in the neck, and that would be the end the end of that. With, with his hands, he he wouldn't even need a knife. He would have stabbed me with his own hands. <laughs> hey, man, that thing looked awesome. Yeah. Let's move on to the next card here. By the way, I gave it to Saxtella, and he treasures it. So, yeah, you're never going to have it. <laughs> mm. One day I'm going to get you to design me a piece of Phyrexian art for a tattoo. I'll pay you. <gasps> yes. It just needs to be lines as well. It doesn't even need color. Yeah. 
we'll talk be... later. Yeah. <laughs> did you see my version of a Traxxer, by I the way? I did. It's, it's, it's glorious, man. I'm not saying it's better than yours. That's but it's as good, decide. right? But it, but it has character, <laughs> man. That's what, that's what matters. But there's only one copy of mine in the world, whereas there's loads of your ones. So it means buy one's worth more, right? Right. That's exactly how it works, Sean. Yes. So moving on, our preview from last week was one of the coolest commanders I've seen in a while, Nizan the Revered Bladesmith, and his magic hammer, the Hammer of Nizan. Now, like, I don't know if you guys know this, and probably not because I don't talk about D&D here, but hammers and blacksmiths are basically, like, my favorite things in D&D. I love playing dudes who have big old hammers and smash people. So this card <laughs> is basically like one of my favorite scenes in the Wheel of Time just kind of come to life of, you know, the parent making a sword with his hammer and just going to town. And I was super excited. I'm super glad you're here so that we can talk about the details. And Sean, I wanted to tell you that you were right. I asked Kelly Diggs today where Nazan was from and he said he was originally from Naya, but currently lives on Bant. Yeah, you got it boy. from that little tower in the back there, and knew exactly right away. And I was just, I'm super impressed. Congratulations, you got it. I do uh, studying, not studying, but like really paying attention to the art and really staring at the art is something I like doing with my cards. The art is such an important part of the card to me. I've learned to recognize planes just on the architecture in the background i i want to thank you man because you're one of the few yeah and uh i was was about to say victor was uh were you given a brief to make it bant and then you could choose or i'm not sure if i can actually disclose this but oh (laughs) that's fine (laughs) we understand it's out and if kelly said so then yeah, duh, yeah, and then it's that's out there. Yeah, uh, the briefs uh, called for um, for this blacksmith who was originally from Naya, but he had to be on Bant. So I could have done the sigils, uh, like only the sigils, but that would have meant that that this guy is from Bant, or he could have been like anywhere else. So I had to put the little tower on the on the background just as a symbol to to double down on the on the fact that he was on Bant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just saw it and went, it's, that's a Bant Tower. Mostly off the card for art for Rune of the Hidden Realms. Mm-hmm. I was like, Rune lives in a little tower like that. Yeah, I went to a little callback to, to all Bant because uh, Bant's also one of my favorites and I love the art of, of most Bant cards. That's oh, awesome. Bant is Gosh. one of my favorites too. <sighs> like Rafik was the card that got me into EDH and... Seeing this card is probably going to be the new card that I love a lot, and I'm super stoked. But I saw it, and the first thing I thought was Cordoba, because like you look at the the window frame behind him with that amazing red and white stripe, which is exactly like the you know big cathedrals and mosques in Cordoba in Spain. And I was just wondering, is like is that part of Bant style artwork? Have I just not seen it, or is Bant just like medieval Spain, and I just never knew it? No. Uh, like based on the architecture, like what I've seen, this is don't quote me on this, but based on the architecture of what I've seen on band, like studying because I didn't get an art guide per se, I just got uh, a few snippets of it mm-hmm. to, to construct the character. Uh, but from what I've seen, I can clearly tell that it has Roman influences. Uh, band, band does. Right. Oh, a degree. Yeah. To, yeah, to to a little degree, and you know, Spain and all these places were, you know, part of 
Rome. Indeed. So maybe it, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it just looks cool. That's good enough. Look, I, I don't know anything. And like people always ask me about these, these crazy things or these uh, crazy speculations they have. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. I don't know. I don't know anything. They don't. They don't let me in on 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 all the details. That's probably for the best. It is. <laughs> I, I I don't have a big mouth. I I mean, I would have been fired if I did, like a long time ago. But since since I play the game, I don't want to be spoiled. I mean, I don't want to. I want. I don't want them to spoil the game for me, because I want to get excited too. I want to. I want to see these things when they come out. Like in the proper context. Exactly. When I used to work for Games Workshop, I used to have. Um, I didn't work for the design studio directly, but uh, I you, know, you get some insight into what's going on. And when you see how the sausage is made, it puts the appetite off exactly a bit. So yeah, I know what that's like. Yep. Badly, by the way, is how the sausage is made at Games Workshop. Badly. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> God, this card is so cool. I like that you were able to link the two together with the... I mean, it makes sense that they would be linked together such as Nazana and his hammer. One question I had, is he making a Leonin scimitar in this picture? No, he's not. It just any sword, basically? It's, it's a band sword. That, that's it. Okay. All yeah. right. There's one theory I would just throw away, sadly. Ha <laughs> ha. See, God, people, this hammer looks so sick. People like you always have like these wild theories, and they're always wrong. Yeah, but that's the fun, right? Like that's half the fun of being on the outside is we can make all this crazy stuff up, and then they have to sit there and go like, "It's not nearly that cool, guys." Really, <laughs> I do want to keep us moving onto basically the greatest card you've ever drawn of all time, and perhaps uh, the best card in all of Magic. The Three mana, two one common from Magic Origins, Gearpur Gearcrafter, aka me. Tell me, Victor, you didn't know me before. How did you draw me? <laughs> well, I drew. Apparently, I drew someone who looked like you. So yay! I wrote a whole essay about this card. This card, I, the art in this card, basically like changed my life. Yeah. So I, I wrote my essays too, man. They were they were like stoked that. I working in magic <laughs> okay that was, that was a joke. yeah you can laugh now okay <laughs> i don't speak spanish at all and i got that joke <laughs> <laughs> jerks <laughs> my essays <laughs> anyway so can you tell me anything about the drawing of this card? Because it looks like he's got this awesome glove and he's doing all this crazy stuff. This was like one of the first cards to introduce Kaladesh to us. And man, I blew the hell out of this card in trying to create a new story for the world I thought we were getting. And uh, it tells a really cool story. Uh, yeah, uh, it was one of the first ones for me. Uh, if not one of the first of the wave, the first wave that I got after... Uh, after Bastion Protector. Uh, and it was, in fact, the first piece of magic art in a card that, that got, uh, that got uh, revealed. 
Well, the the one uh, out of the ones that I did at, at least, and yeah, I was I was pretty I was pretty stoked about it. We didn't have Caladish back then, uh, as as a whole as we do now, because there wasn't any any big um, reference sheet. Um, oh man, it's uh, the words are kind of slipping right now. The um, yeah, the reference packet that, that we get for planes and stuff, we, we didn't have it. Right. We have a, a smaller version of it. So there was some some uh, freedom, at least, uh, a little bit, some 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 exploring ground that we could do uh, with, with these guys. And and that was really fun. Cause... So what's that? Like Magic Origins was one of those sets where they had 10 different planes they had to do. And they didn't really have style guides for any of them, except for the ones that already pre-existed. So when you do this, or when you go into Watsi to work on a new plane, what's that like? Like, I know that you've flown into Seattle a few times, and you don't have to tell us specifics about what you did. But what's it like when you actually go there, and they're like, okay, we're going to be talking about a brand new plane. Go start drawing crazy things. It's insane, man. <laughs> it's really one of the best times that I had in my life. Um, and not just uh, creatively, but as as a whole thing, it was my first time working on on a studio environment and meeting all these people. Uh, kind of launched my my appetite for uh for growing as an artist. Uh, it just made me see these wonderful people working. Um, just was a little kick in the butt that I had to I had to get better, or that they had um the resources or they had like this knowledge that they were sharing with me that you know made me made me get better and you go in with the mindset of just uh like it was the first time for me so i didn't know what what to expect but i had notes i had tons of notes uh from the stuff that i i learned in college because i i did a lot of um like egyptian art i went through it all and went back to my to my old college notes so I had a ton of notes uh, ready, and yeah, uh, some some of them I used, and some of them some of them I didn't. Were you on the Amonkhet? I was on the Amonkhet team. Yeah. I, I should, oh, well, yeah. Then. I should have said that first. <laughs> I mean, so anointed processions for the victors. Oh yeah, well we could talk about anointed procession, but since Amonkhet's totally out, you could probably talk about at least kind of what you guys did inside. Not necessarily like I don't need to know the exact pyramids, but how was the process there? Did like the creative team put you guys in a room and say, we want to do ancient Egypt go. Uh, yeah, we, um, basically. Yeah. Um, we got briefed by the writing team, uh, first and they kind of explained what the, what the plane was about, what the story was going to be in just a nutshell. Uh, they didn't want us to, to get us swayed one way or another, just to, sure. they, they wanted us to be as, objective as possible and give us uh, some some free range at first so yeah they, they didn't want to tell the story uh, which was a good thing which is a good thing and and i, I appreciated that um, yeah because like i know i've heard stories about how uh in zendikar for instance the hedron showed up because one of the artists in the creative meeting was just drawing geometric shapes and came up with a cool idea yeah. and they're like we need to build this plane based around these things yeah and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that can happen and 
they they don't want to prevent that from happening. They want to, you know, still have a rich environment um, for us to just explore and do uh, things. Some some things might work. Some some things may not. But it's it's just the way it is. Um, so yeah, they, they essentially they give us uh, a week just to do whatever. Uh, they kind of give us um, little subjects to work on, um, but it's free. the The first week uh, is free. And then the weeks after, you have to tighten up the work. And close to the third week, you get start. Uh, you, you start to get specific uh, assignments per se. Oh, that's so, cool. yeah. So that's kind of a little rundown how how it works. I might get fired for for saying this, but well, you haven't actually told us specifically what you do, which is fine, I think. But we can always talk about it later. But uh, Anointed Procession, though, is special because it was one of the story cards. Yep. And aside from being probably my favorite card in the whole set. So with these story cards, is the process of doing one of these cards different from drawing a normal one? Uh, yes and no. Whatever that means. <laughs> um, like, all the cards have storytelling. All the, all the card art has storytelling in it. But you have to double down on these because they're going to be featured in... The mothership. They're going to be featured in playmats, maybe. So they're, they're, the art is going to be blown up more, uh, and you expect uh, that to be the case. So you have to make them uh, make them more detailed, and really nail the story part of it. Uh, really immerse the players into into what's going on in the image. For this one, then, did they like come to you with a brief and saying like? Gideon is staring at a bunch of mummies and wondering what the hell is going exactly. on. Exactly, that was a brief. <laughs> word by word, that that was a brief. <laughs> I believe it. I can totally hear Allison saying just that. Yeah. Oh man, I love this card so much. Yep, and I get to play it uh, in tokens that aren't green. So, as a soldier's player, <laughs> I thank you. I don't play tokens. Although I might squeeze it into a Mardu Vampires deck. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy looks looks sweet, man. By the way, yeah, Edgar looks great. Soren's daddy. Oh yeah, good old Edgar. Um, we probably need to start talking about EDH at some point. So this next card you did the redid the art for is good. How did you go about uh, the card? Sorry, the card I'm talking about is Maelstrom Wanderer. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to insult other people's artwork, but I was never a fan of the original art for this card. So, when you're given the brief to redo a card, what? how how is that brief different? Like, are you told you have to reference the original card, or can you just go nuts? The, the assignment of redesigning or redoing a card is really scary, because the fans are attached to the artwork, and if you do it wrong, or if you do it <laughs> see see serum visions for uh the promo one oh yeah yeah not not the greatest so yeah exactly i i didn't want to get that so yeah it's pretty scary to to redo a card and basically they they wanted me to take the design and i agreed on that well i agreed on everything because you know it's maelstrom water and it's amazing <laughs> it is you're right these are both true words, yes. It's it's pretty it's pretty simple, it's pretty quick. Uh the design was already uh good. The the art was good. They just wanted to make it uh current. What does that mean, current? Oh yeah. What does that mean? 
I threw down a word that I wasn't uh, prepared to defend. <laughs> In modern style. <laughs> yeah, modern style. They wanted my take on it. They, they wanted, uh, you know, my view of just a warping things, like how I do fisheye on almost everything. Uh, they wanted to, to imprint more grandeur into the card. They wanted it to, to look fast. They wanted it to look big and scary. Yeah, the You've original Mail from Wonder was from uh, Plane Chase way back in 2012. And it was definitely one of the older style magic arts, you know, looking a little bit more comic booky in the kind of coloring and stuff. I mean, I thought it looked cool, but I think yours actually looks like a Maelstrom, which is much cooler, you know? It, yeah. it feels like he's actually inside of a big whirlwind just kind of coming to town the other one is it's a cool card and certainly one of my favorites but the artwork didn't quite it's cool though that you kept some of the like features so that it still looks recognizably like the old the design the design uh, like like i like i was saying is was already amazing and but the scale didn't translate all that well i think that was that was one of the problems with it and the the angle uh, that it was chosen wasn't so good because it's a large creature, and you kind of want to put yourself in the places of the of the spectator. You want to put yourself in the ground, looking up at this creature, not from not from not from above. Right. Yeah. Some people use scale birds. You've got a scale centaur. <laughs> it's like oh, it's a stag, it's like, isn't it? Yeah, Sorry. it's like it's like a stag, it's like a deer. I thought it was a centaur chucking his hands in the air going, ah, run away! <laughs> God, this card is so good, though. It's so, so dumb. EDH. EDH, yeah, I hear that's what we talk about sometimes once in a while when we remember. When did you discover EDH, Victor? Uh, I discovered it uh, when I went back. Like, after college, like, I was telling guys that I, I had to quit magic just to focus on college. Bad decision, kids. Don't do college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 went, I went back and I started uh, scouting around my area because I really wanted to get into magic. And I had like this, I had piles of cards that I wanted to play with. Uh, I had this huge collection after, after I quit magic for a little bit. It wasn't that much. And I went uh, to the local uh, game store, the one I, I currently go to, because it's just amazing. And, you know, EDH was, was a thing already. And the, the preconcepts had just uh, had just come out, the first ones. Mm. Yeah, and don't judge me, but my first deck was Sir the Enchanter. Oh, that's gonna be very hard not to judge. Yeah, you. but I, I've I've learned I, I've come a long way. Sir is so and mm, mm. <laughs> yes, he is powerful. He's solid. <sighs> it's so mean that card. Yeah, he, yeah. But I mean, you know, we all start somewhere, and you got to start with whatever pile of cards you have. Hopefully, you have learned since then. Yeah, and and that was the thing that I, that I just had a, a huge collection um, that really didn't fit into modern, or really didn't fit into standard, of course. So EDH was just mm. natural, and um, I just started playing, and you know, it was like something else for me. It was it was different. You can hang out with with people. It wasn't so grindy. It wasn't competitive. Um, at least at that point it wasn't. <laughs> I just, I just, I just know better now. Cool. So then what are you playing now? I'm playing a ton of decks. <laughs> I, I play like everything. All right. Well, let's, let's shrink it down a bit to what deck do you want to talk about today? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I want to talk about my Marchesa Black Rose, which is ninjas, assassins, rogues, 
what kind of neat tricks and it's it's pretty schemey it's it's tricksy Nin ninjas assassins and rogues yeah oh my oh my and it has dethrone which is one of my favorite mechanics it has dethrone and it, and it works really well dethrone is oh yeah i, I love that mechanic Especially, especially in Marchesa, because yeah, you you get to attack the player that has the most life, and and you can just wash your hands, uh, because it's not. Look, man, if if you didn't want me to attack you, you shouldn't have been at forty. Yeah. What's your problem? Your problem, man. <laughs> I only hurt you because you didn't hurt yourself. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> you can go after oh my god, Valora player, like constantly, and not not be not feel bad about it. As a big Orzov player, I can just say uh, I'm used to getting smashed in the face by Marchese decks. Yeah. It's just something you get. You're just like, Marchese, right, you're coming at me then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fine, yeah. I understand. Just do it. I'm not even mad. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you played Alora, man. That's what you get. Oh, I play Ailey, Eternal Pilgrim. Oh. I don't need blue to make my life gain decks work. Yeah, no, if you play a Loro, that's just... I, I don't want to ban cards because a Loro is cool, but I feel like a Loro is just, like, not fun. Oh, come on. I mean, whatever, it's not as bad. It's it's beatable. Yeah. It's beatable. Yeah, it's, it's a card choices and and the access to, to really, uh, like, strong cards and powerful effects. We can talk about Laura in another show. <laughs> so what do you hope to do with this deck? Yeah, I want to play politics. Like I said, uh, I want to attack the player that has the most life. I want to sneak creatures into play and just start building up uh, resources. And since the clause on Marchesa, the last clause, is whenever a creature you control with a plus one, uh, plus one counter on it dies... It comes back, so I gotta build up a lot of resources, and if someone tries to board wipe, uh, they can come back, which is which is good. That's one of my favorite abilities on that card, especially since Dethrone just puts so many one ones all over the place. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's and it's gorgeous, man. And yeah, when I want, what I want to do is I don't want to play against everyone. I kind of want to pick a player, it, and it's usually the one that, that has the most life. And start <laughs> picking off players to, uh, one by one. That really is a political game, man. Yeah. You just sit there and go, you just wait for somebody to get more life, and then you're like, well, I guess you're it now. Yeah. And since I don't play green in this deck, I don't, I don't have a ton of resources like green does, so I have to play it slow. I don't, I don't want to make enemies either in the in the early game. What are the main cards in this set? What are the what are your cards that you're hoping to draw that you think do the most work for you in Marteza? Okay, I want to draw Una's black card because I have a ton of rogues. And they come uh, with a plus one, plus one counter on it. So you drop hmm. Una's Blackguard uh, early on and you start uh, dropping rogues and hitting people and making them discard cards. They're going to get angry, but they're not going to have cards to respond. So that's good. That's a sneaky-ass card. Yeah, sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> it's very sneaky. It's very roguey, yeah. yeah. And I want to draw uh, here, the Still Wind, which is the Mono Blue Legendary Ninja. And he says, uh, whenever a Higure the Silverwind deals combat damage damage to a player, I get to fetch a ninja from my deck and put it in my hand, so I can start building up. I usually go for Inkeyes or Silent Blade. Only. <laughs> I use uh, Silent Blade only when I used to use a Ninja's Veil of the Nightclad yeah. deck. Silent Blade only is the man. Yeah, it's 
basically a Vela deck, like a Vela Ninja deck, but I get access to, to Red and Marchesa. <laughs> yeah, Vela's not good. No, and they're more resilient to it, the board mm -hmm. wipes and stuff. And when I want to lock the game, I usually play Dicta Dictate of Airwolves because my creatures keep, uh, keep coming back, which is a fantastic card. It's one of my bad cards. If you play creatures, you should play Dictate. What do you mean that your creatures keep coming back? Like, you have a lot of reanimation in this deck? Yeah, and the dethrone thing, and putting plus one, uh, plus one counters on it, sacrificing... Yeah, gosh, that's messed up. That's <laughs> messed up, man. Now I'm looking at these cards just kind of next to each other, and now I'm just getting angry. <laughs> this is great. But it is what it is, man. It's, it's a game. That's how it goes. Oh, man. Have you done your own version of Marchesa artwork yet? No, I have not, but I've, I've done drawing. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of time to, to do fan art. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like he's a professional artist and is busy painting other things. Oh, yeah, and, you know, sleeping and stuff. Yeah, I always wonder if, like, when artists are sitting and playing, do you guys, like, do your own modifications to the cards yourselves so that your Marchesa could be, like, swank looking that would be funny but it'd probably be some ridiculous amount of time yeah it, it takes a, it takes a while and i'm a perfectionist so it's gonna <laughs> take more than i than i intended in the first place cool. <laughs> yeah and going back to the to the deck i use uh right of replication to to end the game most of the times what do you like to target vela is, is a fun target <laughs> wait can vela really yeah, yeah. vela will um can you target a legend with a clone? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, when it just, leaves it, a battle. Oh, when, gosh. Yeah, when it. she leaves the battlefield and you get a ton of triggers and people lose a lot of life. That Are you is... running Massacre Worm? No, I'm not. Oh, that's the most hilarious kill. He's not on theme. That's, that's, that's why. I know, but it's so good. So I was playing a game recently with somebody who... Um, I had a Massacre Worm out on the table and I, I was, it was very grindy. And they were complaining the game was going on for too long. And then they... Uh, I, I did eventually win. They showed me their hand. They had a right replication in their hand. I was like, you could have won like 10 turns ago. Just kick my Massacre Worm. <laughs> and everyone takes 10 damage for each creature that dies, which is all of the creatures. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was this one game where I was keeping a player alive. I just didn't want to do anything because I was hoping uh, for him to to reanimate as a great merchant of Fastwadel. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah, but that ne that never happened, and I lost that game. But what did you, you got greedy? I got greedy. Exactly. What is this card? Notorious Throng. I've never even heard of this card before. <gasps> you have not. Well, it's a it's a beautiful card, Ashivam. Let me read it to you. <laughs> it's a four mana spell, three uh, uh, three of whatever and a blue one. It's a tribal sorcery rogue. Yeah, uh, and it has prowl, which is a, a rogue ability. It costs five of anything and a blue, and you may play this uh, for its prowl cost if you dealt damage, uh, combat damage to a player with uh, rogue this turn. And essentially, if you pay the prowl cost, you get like extra benefits. Like, the normal thing puts X-1-1 one, one Black Fairy Rogue Creatures uh, with flying into play, where X is the damage dealt to your opponents this turn, this turn. So, you know, you deal 11 damage and you get 11 fairies, which is sweet. 
But if you pay the prowl cost, you also take an extra turn after this one. So Whoa. that's pretty busted. Yeah. And if you have Una's Black Guard, they all come in with a plus one, plus one counter on them, and you get an extra turn, and you swing, and then nobody has hands. Parts <laughs> in hand, I must say. So yeah. It's fun. 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 You're running one of my favorite cards, Knowledge Exploitation. <laughs> which is not one you see in many uh, Marchese decks. No. It's a really, really good one. Uh, one of the best Prowl cards out there. And Taurus. Oh, all this good stuff. Talk me through your deck. So other than cool rogues and stuff, what's your uh, win cons? Are you trying to go for a grindy win, a lockout? It's usually very grindy. Yeah. Unless I, I kick right up Replication in Vela, which is, um, it's it's fast and usually never happens, or almost never happens. Or I can kick right up Replication in, uh, this game I kicked uh, right up Replication in um, Runescar Demon. And it was pretty early on in the game, so everyone conceded, because they had nothing. <laughs> that was pure luck. Yeah, Runescar Demon with a kick right is pretty tasty. Yeah. It is it's pretty hard to come back from. Yeah. If you're a good player you can keep the gate the table under your control now. Yeah. After that. Yeah, I think I fetched like um a, a bunch of control cards, uh, sort of uh, feast and famine, which I love. Yeah. That's as Biden. And after that I could control the game pretty easily and I had tons of demons. Have you seen the new better Thassus Biden? Oh, which one? Kindred Discovery. If you've got a semi-tribal theme. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the problem. I have a few just to trigger out the prowl costs, but that's it. How many ninjas are you running? I run just the best ones. <laughs> there aren't that many. Yeah, there aren't yeah. that many, and some of them are at least uh, less than impressive. I run Sakashima's Imposter. I actually have the deck right here in my hands. So, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I have terrible memory. I I have pretty bad memory. So, yeah, I don't remember, like, on top of my head which cards I have in the deck. So, yeah, I have a Sakashima, I have an um, Inkais, I have Higir, and I have the other guy, uh, Silent Bladoni. Also, Miss. So, it's probably not good enough for. Um, no. Probably not enough for Kindred. Oh, well. I, I have six ninjas. So, yeah, it's not enough. Wasn't that a film back in the 90s? Oh, no, that was three ninjas. Three ninjas. Yeah, that's right. They were like kid ninjas, right? Yes, they were kid ninjas. Was... The movie, they were like in California. They're young teenagers. It's super dorky. Now, you need to... I think you might be confusing it there slightly, Shivan, with oh, no, Beverly Hills uh, Ninja. No, Three Ninjas was like... Because like movie two is Three Ninjas Surf's Up or something like that. <laughs> The fact that there are multiple California-based white person being a ninja films. Look, dude, the 90s were wild. Yeah. <laughs> I think you find the 90s were totally radical. They were, in fact, very radical. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where Phil reaches through the uh, headsets and kills us all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so rather than talk about the three ninjas oeuvre, of four movies that were released from 1992 ah. through 1998. Uh, so I guess... Look, there was uh, Three Ninjas, Three Ninjas Kickback, Three Ninjas Knuckle Up, and of course the famous final conclusion, Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Mega. 
I'd like to vacation at Mega Mountain. I presume Mega Mountain's like a normal mountain, but comes into play with a plus one, plus one counter when you turn it up. (laughs) 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 So you mentioned one of the greatest EDH cards, full stop, Sword of Feast and Famine. Yeah, Sword of Feast and Famine is... Especially if you're running... uh, Like, um, how do you call them? How do you... uh, Cool kids call call these decks. Like, you, you hit and you... Mid-range, I guess. Well, aggro is basically you're attacking all the time. There you go, aggro control. Yeah, yeah so that's... Aggro control, yeah. So yeah, the Sword of Feast of Famine is it's perfect for aggro control. So you can you can hit and just uh, have open mana for, for whatever shenanigans. I think Sword of Feast and Famine is good for every deck that has ever basically been made <laughs> for our format. I'm struggling. The only deck I could think of it wouldn't be good in would be, and I'm stretching here, a Golgari Aura Voltron deck. Because you couldn't target your guy with half your... Oh, that would be be ridiculous. Um, But you can fetch it up with Nizan's Hammer. Oh, yeah. You can. God, that card is so good. It is is pretty good. I like it because it it attaches to to the thing. It's not like... um, like a dark steel plate, but mm. it's usually cheaper for what you want it. Yeah, let's actually go back to that for one second. When they sent you these cards to draw, did they send you what the card text did, or just the art description? No, just the art description. Like, like I said, yeah, they didn't want they didn't want me to be like super biased. Okay, so when you saw the cards as an EDH player, what did you think of Nizan and his hammer? Oh, I'm gonna build this. Yeah, for sure. I'm totally gonna build uh, a Nizan, Nizan and, and Hammer deck. Because Nizan hammers Kemba and equipment, and like all the cats you can handle, this thing is gonna be amazing. Yeah, just all the swords for free. I can't get over how good that. No, is. and Nizan has an ETB trigger, which is good. It's not a cast trigger, so you can flicker him. Yeah, you can, you can flicker it on the sun and just get a ton of equipment. <laughs> Going back to <laughs> your much easy deck. Sorry, I just can't get over how good the sun is. Yeah, Selesnya, meh. Oh, shut up, Sean. You don't know. Hey, it <laughs> Thank does you. get to use. It does get to use one of my favorite cards from Theros, which was the Flix Main Lion. And my favorite card from Theros, Brimaz. King Lionidas, call him what his name is. I I do like that a lot, King Lionidas. Um, Much easy deck. I need to ask a question. Yeah, two sure. questions. One, why no cabal coffers if you're running Urborg? Oh, well, okay. I'll answer the cabal coffers first, and there's another. I think glaring omission for uh, me. I really don't have a use for that. I. You don't have use for a billion black mana. I never really spend it. Oh, sir. I'll use it, generate it, somehow give it to me. I'll spend it. <laughs> yeah, I never really have, like, big mana cards. Okay, I think a, a more specific card that I think this deck's crying out for is Necropotence. Oh, no, 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 my, my Plague Group hates uh, Necropotence. My Plague Group hates Necropotence. It's still in all my decks. Yeah, but when they Mind Slaver you, it's not that funny. 
<laughs> and we have a ton of that's true. We have a ton of my slaver effects. Like my plague runs a ton of my slaver effects. The tapping nine mana, here comes the worst fears. Oh I'm dead, aren't I? Oh, I just I don't know. For me, Necropotent says I set my life total so I'm never on the throne and I'm gonna draw a bunch of cards and do a bunch of good stuff. Yeah, but Painlands can do that thing as well. And not as efficiently. Not as efficiently, but you don't run the risk of being a mind slavered and, and killed by your own card. So, yeah. Uh, that That's true. But, you know, if suicide was never a thing, I don't know, I like playing with risky cards like that. I don't, if I lose to my own card like that and I was trying to go for the big win out, I don't mind. It's like, yeah, sure, I deserved it. Good on you. And another thing mm-hmm. is that I don't really have any janky combos except for the Red of Replication Bella thing. So I don't need to dig in that badly. Does that make sense? Yeah, I suppose so. That's if I true. run like combos or stuff like that, which I usually don't, uh, I would uh, run Necropotence for sure. And of course you've got Sneak Attack, which is such an amazingly oh, okay. good card for a Marchese deck. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. You can cheese, uh, cheese stuff into play for one red mana, and you get to keep the creature. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that's dumb. Yeah. It is. I, did. Dumb. I was, I was about to say, I'm like, wait a second, what do you mean you can keep the creature? And I keep forgetting. She brings it back. She gets it back. She gets it back. Yeah. <sighs> but you know how she wouldn't get it back, Sean? If I had Anafenza on the other side, yes. Take that, go to the graveyard, or you know, Relic of Progenitus, or cr- Scrabbling Claws, or Crook of Condemnation, or uh, Kalitas. All of these wonderful cards. That's why I run eight cards, or like some amount of cards that let me steal your creatures. <laughs> that would be annoying. It is pretty annoying. It's it's an annoying deck. Uh, yes, that's that's a hoser, but and yes, I have to play it around those those kinds of cards. That is true. Yeah, I mean the thing is because your deck relies a lot on graveyard recursion and shenanigans. All of these amazing anti graveyard cards probably just mess you up, like. Anything that exiles or removes your graveyard from the game or Leyline of the Void or something like that. Yeah, yeah but uh, Leyline of the Void in, uh, on turn zero, that can really hurt me because I don't have artifact removal. I mean, enchantment removal outside of uh, uh, Chaos Warp mm. and a few others. Just like yeah. Bounce, Cyclonic Rift, stuff like that. Um, but usually I can counter those things. If I have a counter spell, I'm probably going to spend uh, spend it on those kinds of cards, because yeah, if one of those things resolves, it's, it's usually game over for me. Have you thought about running uh, Spell Twine? Because it lets you reuse one of your you've got quite a few instants and sorceries in here, big ones as well. Yeah. It lets you reuse one of them, and then there's always somebody who's got a return to dust or something in their yard. But it's a sorcery. Uh, uh, I'm not so good. Mm, I've won so many games with a spell twine. What does that do? Uh, so spell twine's five and a blue sorcery. Uh, pick an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard and an instant or sorcery card in your opponent's graveyard. Uh, cast them both for free, and then exile all the cards that were cast this way. Yep. 
Oh, so you steal their disenchant. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So you cast one, you reuse one of your own big swingy, um, you know, often a board wipe if you've got my Kayser out because you're all going to come back. Uh, and then you steal the best thing. Oh, I have one game because there's always someone playing with an insurrection or an insurrection's funny with my Kayser out. Or there's someone running... Yeah, you're not running Insurrection either. No. Insurrection stick everything down a sack outlet after attacking with it and then yeah, but I, kill everyone twice. I don't, I don't run uh, good stuffy cards. Like, I don't run like, just out of, like, out of the mill cards. Um, I don't know. It's... I know what you're saying. Like, stuff that just wins because it exists. Exactly. I get what you mean by good stuffy cards. Because I think good stuff means something different as well. But... I think Insurrection is particularly in theme with the Marquesa deck because it, it's just like Sneak Attack in that you're going to get a bunch of creatures cheap and then you're going to get to keep them where normally you wouldn't because you attack with them, get the tokens, sack them all before they go back to your opponent. Yep. Yeah, I used to I used to run it, but it was uh, just like a basic Marchesa deck. It, wasn't, it didn't have a theme or anything. It wasn't... Uh... It wasn't. It was like kind of the basic one, like mm. the store bought uh, Marchesa deck. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I did get to play a lot with Insurrection, and now I just don't like it so much because yeah, you like one of those mm. instant win cards. I just, I think Spelltwine though is a good one for um, allowing you to get something at your opponent's yard, or if you don't like the sorcery on it, where's your memory plunder? Memory plunder is. I order a memory plunder. Oh, good man. Yes. My favourite Demir card, Memory Plunder. Uh, memory. And that is a big shout for me because they all, all, even the bad ones, are like my... You don't hate any of your children, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I have one. That would be a very difficult uh, conversation to have. <laughs> <laughs> Son, sit down. Daddy has to tell you something. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. How are you feeling, Victor? Do you have anything else you'd like to share or any interesting stories you have? Uh, no, aside uh, from my Marchesa rules. My Marchesa deck rules. What decks do you want to build? Oh, boy. I want to build them all. Um, next. just You said I want to build them all, so I'm thinking of all the random vanilla legends <laughs> from like 1993 <laughs> that cost 12 mana for a 2-2 that do Not nothing. those ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know the ones that do stuff I, I don't like to play uh, control that much I don't like to play uh, combo decks but the aggressive ones I do really want to build and I'm just uh, waiting on for the full release of Commander 20, 2017 uh, just to see what's what's in it what, what I can play with it uh, but right now I am actually thinking about an Asan deck for sure yeah because most of my decks can win by uh, via commander damage, and this guy, this guy's essentially a seven a seven one. I mean a seven five with a hammer on, <laughs> like yeah. that. So you can win uh, through commander. Oh yeah, you could totally build a really dumb just like Voltron deck with him. Yep. I guess that's even the point, right? Like you uh, put a bunch of things, like you get the hammer, and then the next equipment you get is like fire shrieker to do. Yep double strike or whatever and you can just go to town yeah. and start like 
killing people. It's, I mean, Rafik 2.0, right? Yeah, I don't like Rafik all that much because he's kind of um, easy mm. mode. But with Nasan, I can make the game like super grindy. I think the problem with Rafik is what's it called? The sovereigns of Lost Alara into Eldrazi conscription oh, made yeah. people hate it too much. Yeah, it's just like great. Yeah, I, I don't like those kinds of commanders uh, for the reason that I get targeted like early on. Mm, that happens to me a lot. My too. play group is not forgiving. My playgroup is is cutthroat. If they see me playing uh, one of those decks, they're not going to even ask questions. I'm just going to get killed on turn three. So, yeah, you can. Yeah. And in my playgroup, you want to lie low. So, do you have a regular playgroup back? Then? I do. Yeah. We actually have some uh, some games on on YouTube. If you know Spanish and want to see a, uh, like you understand basic Spanish, you want to see uh, an EDH game. We we have them up on YouTube. We're on episode two now. Oh, that's really, really cool. I didn't know that. You should be talking about this more. If you send us a link, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we will happily put that in the show notes and share it on Twitter. I will. Uh, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, you met you met my, my friends back at uh, GP Vegas, right? Yeah, they were really cool. Yeah, uh, those those guys. Those are the, are, the, are the guys that I play with. I just saw this gang of cool Mexican cats hanging around. Yeah, boy. <laughs> man that's awesome yeah, we're just hoping to break stuff yeah I mean <laughs> I've been looking for more magic content that's not in English to begin with and that is super neat I look forward to checking it out what's it called? Uh, it's called Salty Commander <laughs> yeah. we're working on subtitles right now because uh, it's not that we want to expand because we just want to have fun but Subtitles, subtitles would really come in handy. Well, I mean, it means that the people in Japan who don't speak Spanish can read English and can watch it, yeah. and that's pretty cool. And you might pick up. A- so, how are you playing? MTGO online, or have you got camera set up? We, we have a camera set up and all, and all that stuff. Nice. Wow, that's pretty yeah. cool. Watch out, game nights! Oh. You guys are coming for you. Yeah. Do a few more. I would love to write the subtitles for one. Bearing in mind, I don't speak Spanish. Yo <laughs> soy un juego. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about this. I'm going to do that, if, if that's okay with you, Victor. I feel like that would be obscene. Go ahead, man. <laughs> right. Last question. Before we started recording, you said you had just come back from GP Minnesota. What was that like, and what's it been like to go to all these GPs and meet with fans and uh, that sort of thing? Oh, it's amazing, man. I love it. It's uh, It's demanding. Because you have to be up early and you you go uh, you go to sleep late, and it's exhausting. But you don't feel it as much uh, during the GP just afterwards. Um, yeah, but it's uh, what's the word for it? Um, rewarding. It's uh, it's really re- rewarding to, mm. to meet the fans and and to hear what what they think. Their stories about uh, about games they've they've had with your cards and how they appreciate the work you do and. You know, just get like these these comments or these stories that you wouldn't get like on the internet because you know people on the internet are different than, than people on yes. the real world. And you get you get to yes. you get to meet like real players, not just the ones that are the most vocal on the internet. You know, and mm. yeah, man, I, I I love it just for just for that just for that reason. 
That's awesome. Yeah, GP Minneapolis was one of the best ones that I've had this year. Um, but we were at GP Vegas. That was awesome. That was awesome. You got to hang out that with us. That was awesome, too. That was, that was <laughs> amazing, too. That's right. And I was at GP. That's cool. Yeah, and GP Orlando was pretty cool, too. And GP Mexico City. That was pretty cool. Well, that's really awesome. And I'm really glad you were able to uh, hop on board and talk to us. Yeah. Uh, this has been a whole blast. Oh, man, th- thanks for having me. I've, I've been, like... When I found out about your show, actually, a friend of mine linked uh, linked the show where you were talking about uh, Gearport Gearcrafter. Um, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, this dude's talking about your car. I should give it a listen. And after that, I just binked, uh, binked watch or listened to all of them in the span of two or three weeks. What? Yeah. I haven't even listened to all of them, and I'm on the show now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, it was an honor, man. Like, anytime. Oh man, it's been a pleasure. There's a bunch of things I would love to have spoke to you about, but because of time and stuff, we didn't get a chance to. So I'd love to have you back on, Victor, if you will pleasure us with your presence. Yeah, maybe if you've drawn some cards in Ixalan, we could talk about that. Oh yeah, I have a few. What guild, two-color guild, do you most associate with? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, yeah, sorry about this, Sean, but I'm, I'm a group player. <laughs> we haven't had a, did, oh no we have had a gruel person on haven't we we had Nick on yeah so how about that let's end with the, the good solid questions what's your favorite color your favorite guild your favorite shard and clan oh. <laughs> it's going to be pretty much uh, more of the same green <laughs> green's my favorite color oh, I liked you so much <laughs> What's your favorite basic art um, for Forest? The new Kev Walker one. <laughs> oh, that is so good. From the Commander uh, 2016 ones. Yeah, actually, my Molimo deck has a uh, my Molimo, my Molimo deck has like like thirty something of those uh, of those horses. I just love it. Have you done any basic lands yet? <laughs> I have not. The ones that are out that are. Out. Oh. No, I have not. Are you aware of the um, the artist's vintage format? I am aware. See, I was about to suggest I could run a rockin' Victor Adame deck, but um, I need you to do me a, well, everything but a mountain. Why? So I could get a tractor in oh, there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty difficult. I would have to request basic lands, and just, I would suck so much. <laughs> Look, man, we can't all be uh, we can't all be Noah or John John Avon. Yeah, so let let those guys uh, do the, the basic lands. I'll do cool uh, EDH cards. <laughs> Sound good? Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. What's your favorite card in all of Magic? Oh boy, that's that's a tough one. Man, I don't think I have a favorite one. I have a favorite okay, in, in EDH. Sure, that's good. That's yeah. fine. It's anime dead. I run it in most decks, and it, I just think it's it's a ton of value just to play an anime dead on a on a mall drifter on uh, whatever thing your opponents drop into the into the graveyard and just reanimate it for two. It's it's insane. Yeah, it's that's brilliant. a good answer. That's a good answer. Absolutely, it's a, it's a cheap, powerful effect that anyone can anyone can get. Like it's a one dollar uh, one dollar card or some or something for two mana, and it's it's insane. It's quickly becoming one of my pet cards, and I run it in in all decks that can run black. All right. Oh my god, well. I've got so much I want to talk to you about, Victor. You need to come back on soon. 
Yeah, we would love. We'll have you on whenever you want, dude. We will bend time and space and make it yeah, happen because you're a great guest. This is a lot of fun. Cool. Right. Well, I'm going to wrap up the show. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. But Victor, how can people reach you on social media and stuff if they have questions or want to try and get a game with you or anything like that? Uh, Twitter. Uh, just. Uh, shoot me a like whatever on Twitter. Just like a comment on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter and and comment. If you send me an email, I'm not gonna read it. It just gets uh, just gets buried in in all the work stuff that I do. So Twitter is is the way to go. And your Twitter handle is at Victor Adame Art. Awesome. In which case, Victor, in the time on a tradition, do you care to take us out, sir? And that's our show. And in Spanish? Y ese es su programa. Although it doesn't translate all that well. (laughs) Goodbye. Awesome. What a great show. Thanks for carrying, Shivam and Sean. Victor, thanks for coming on. It was wonderful hearing all of your stories. And I know there are more, and we'll get to them next time. In the meantime, there are folks we want to thank. As always, thanks go to Nate for the wonderful theme song. Also to Mr. Picto and my wife Kelly for the logo. Graham and Jesse, who are our tech whizzes. And of course, to Justin for his service space. Three patrons we really want to thank are... Timothy Flores, Ryan Murphy, and Ben Pike. Thank you very much for your continued support. Finally, we want to thank Revan Fuego for his primary editing of the show. Without his work, this show would not be getting to you this week. Thanks again, everybody, and keep on commander in. Heh. <laughs>